the Meet Me and Isaiah podcast. My name is Marnie Clark and I'm your host and I'm so excited to welcome you to our new series called Finding Jesus in Isaiah. We are going to go through chapter by chapter and discover hints, clues, foreshadowing, prophecies, and I am just thrilled to present to you our first chapter. Here we are in Isaiah chapter 1, and I am already seeing Jesus in this book of Isaiah, written 700 years before he was born. Um, God, in this first chapter, is just talking about how um, Israel was just in a very, very bad situation. Um, If I were going to entitle this chapter, I would call it, It's That Bad. It is that bad. Um, He says that the whole head is sick and the whole heart is faint from the sole of the foot even to the head. There is nothing sound in it, only bruises, welts, and raw wounds, not pressed out or bandaged, nor softened with oil. And that comes from... um, Isaiah 1, 5, and 6. So, you know, and it's, God is saying it's that bad. Like, I want you to look at yourselves. I want you to look at what's going on um, with you as a nation. These Israel, God's chosen people, his beloved, um, he's, he's wanting them to take a good look at themselves and say, you know, just please, let's get reality here. Things are not okay. Um But then after that, he gives hope in verse 18. He says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are like crimson, they shall become like wool. And what is so cool to me is that in Isaiah 53, 5, to me, just the the key chapter in Isaiah, the turning point where we get to hear about a Savior who would come and save the people from their sins. Um, It says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. And so we're seeing where Jesus is standing in the place of Israel um, as their Messiah. So whereas in chapter 1, God is saying that they have raw wounds, then we make it to chapter 53, and this Messiah who was going to come and save the people actually took those wounds on himself, took those iniquities on himself. So clearly there had to be an intervening event that brought Israel from the indictment in Isaiah 1 that we just read to the beautiful words of Isaiah 54, 9. It says, this is like the days of Noah to me. This is God speaking. As I swore that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so I have sworn that I will not be angry with you and I will not rebuke you. 
So this sounds like the new covenant to me. Um, something changed. So what is right before Isaiah 54? Well, obviously Isaiah 53. And so what changed was Jesus came in as the Messiah and stood in Israel's place. Um, and the Old Testament is filled with passages of God's wrath toward his people because of their disobedience. And so the sound, <laughs> the sound of the statement in, um, or excuse me, the statement in Isaiah 54, 9 sounds so radical. It's just crazy good. Um, and I know some of these Old Testament passages from discovering them at unfortunate times, and you know, as a child, probably 12 or 13 years old and beyond, I had the practice of opening my Bible up to a random page when I was distressed. And this is not something I would necessarily recommend. Um, this was a lesson in not taking Scripture out of context because I would sometimes stumble on these verses of God's wrath toward disobedience, and my fear would just increase. Um, that since God is just and holy and does not just excuse evil, there had to be an intervening factor. So how do we go from God's judgment to all of a sudden God saying, I will be not angry, I will not be angry with you anymore. Um, so this intervening factor took us from Isaiah 1, um, five through six, where he's saying that the whole head is sick, the whole heart is faint, from the sole of the foot even to the head, there's no soundness in it, that bruises and sores and raw wounds, to all of a sudden we go to Isaiah 61, three, oaks of righteousness. All of a sudden there was an intervening person who stood in the place of sinners, one who lived a perfect life in our place, who was wounded for our transgressions, who gives us his reward of righteousness. Um, Isaiah 53, 11 says, By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. He shall bear their iniquities. And so, you know, when you see that and you read Ephesians 2, 1 through 9, it just really brings it alive. Um, Ephesians 2, 1 through 9 says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. <laughs> that kind of sounds a lot like Isaiah 1 where he says you're, you're sick from the sole of your foot to your head. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once, walk, once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the mind, the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, um, like the rest of mankind. But God, rich, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming days he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, 
and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one should boast. So we were dead in our sins or sick from head to toe, as referenced in Isaiah 1, but now we are alive in Christ like the oaks of righteousness described in Isaiah 61. You know, Jesus told Nicodemus the intervening factor in the famous John 3.16 verse. Jesus says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So he explains um, how he is the healer in the preceding verses. Um, and this would be something Nicodemus would be very familiar with as someone who I'm sure knew his Hebrew Bible, the, the Torah, inside and out. Um, or I'm saying the Torah, that would be the, the law part, the first five books. Um, and Jesus says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And whoever believes in him that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And that's from John 3, 14 and 15, right before the famous John 3, 16. So I'm sure that Moses and the people of Israel must have thought it strange that they were looking at a bronze serpent that would heal them. Um, and it's interesting, if you want to read more about that story, maybe you're not familiar as much with, with that. Numbers 21, 4 through 9 recounts the story. And it says, From Mount Hor they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people began became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. There's wrath again. And they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned. For we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he he would look at the bronze serpent and live. So here's another example of the wrath of God against sin in the Old Testament. God delivered the Israelites out of the hands of the Egyptians who were enslaving them and provided them with manna falling from the sky, which they were now referring to as, quote, worthless food. So God has not changed one bit since this time, the time of this event. But he is completely loving as he is completely holy. The entire Old Testament, not just Isaiah, points to Jesus and what he would do for us. So Jesus told Nicodemus that, quote, as Moses lift up, lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, John 3.15. 
when Jesus was lifted up on the cross, lifted up on the cross on the hill of Calvary, he became sin for us. He took our sin as his own, even though he was perfect, so that we may look to him for our salvation and live. 2 Corinthians 5.21 explains it when he says, when it says, for our sake, he made him, speaking of Jesus, sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So there again, that's how you go from being sick from head to toe and then all of a sudden being described as an oak of righteousness. So that intervening factor between Isaiah 1 and Isaiah 61, where God is describing his people as oaks of righteousness, was Isaiah 53, where Jesus stood in their place. So... God's chosen people of Israel illustrate this beautiful plan, this free gift of God in Jesus the Messiah throughout all the signs, foreshadowing, and prophecies in the Old Testament. So if you look at Genesis 12, 1 through 3, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, this is Abraham, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so I just love so much that, um, that Israel was, the, was God's way of showing us how much we needed him, that no matter what we tried to do, we were always going to be sinning. And then that he, that Jesus came in as that intervening factor, taking on our sins. And then, um, and then that way we could be these oaks of righteousness that God could see us through the lens of his son who made us righteous. And so, you know, how do you get, people like me who are not Jewish, how do, how do we work into that? Well, throughout the Old Testament, um, God said that he would have Israel to be a blessing to the other nations. And basically, we are grafted in. So those of us who believe in Jesus and have faith that he stood in our place and took our sin we get to be grafted in as God's chosen people. And so that's just chapter one of Isaiah. Jesus is all throughout this book, and I get so excited about it. Thank you so much for listening today. Go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss future episodes and check out our website, meetmeinisaiah.com so you can join the Meet Me in Isaiah movement.